but I will say, so I'm just looked at my notes right before it gets to the one halfway, the, the halfway point where it actually gets pitch black. I just wrote this sucks. Oh man. And then I wrote right after that. It's getting better now. <laughs> Welcome back to the Great American Movie Review, where we review great Australian movies. My name is Micaiah. My name is Kyle. This week we decided to look at uh, what is considered to be a cult classic science fiction film of the early 2000s, Pitch Black, set or set on an off-world that's a desert planet. However, it was shot in Australia, so it's an Australian movie for us. All right, so Pitch Black came out in the year 2000, written and directed by David Toohey and starring Vin Diesel with $26 million budget and $53 million gross at the box office. It was not a big hit, but it still managed to spawn two sequels in 2004 and in 2013. The film follows an eclectic group of characters on a transport ship in a distant future that crash lands on a scorching planet. In trying to find a way to survive the endless days of the desert and escape to freedom, they find an even greater problem arises when a total eclipse blocks out the planet's three suns, and they realize there's much more to be afraid of than just the dark. So, Kyle. So, Micaiah. Did not like this movie. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I did not like it. So, but I want to... Something uh, something that I did notice, you would actually be in the minority of that. A lot of people, uh, like I said, it is actually a cult classic when it comes to Yes, no, it's a fan favorite. I know 2000. that... Yeah, I don't know. I know that I'm not like a... I'm not in the majority here when I say that I think this is pretty bad. <laughs> um, I'm not, not to say that there's nothing redeemable about it. There's definitely a lot of interesting things going on here. Um, but you're a fan of this movie, which is why you wanted to talk about it. Um, you're especially a fan of the sequel, but it, which is why uh, I forced you to talk about it. Let's, yeah. let's get things straight. <laughs> let's get it straight on. Yes, that's very true. So just, a few things that I did like, though, I'll just start off with that. Sure. Just get some of that out of the way. Um, the beginning of the movie, I was watching it, and I was like, okay, it's very alien, but, you know, this is actually pretty tight, you know, when it's all on the ship, everything's just crashing, everything just happens quickly. Um, uh, point of information. Yeah. So David Tui, I can't remember if he wrote or if he uh, was involved in Alien 3. And this this story was actually one of the first drafts for Alien Three, uh, well, before they sense. actually go to the prison. So yeah, it 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 definitely was inspired, if if not immediately brought upon by by the Alien franchise. Yeah, that I mean that makes a lot of sense stylistically for sure. It mm -hmm. feels like there, I mean there were a lot of Alien clone movies after that original movie, and this to me just kind of fits in as one of those and not necessarily one of the ones that stands out to me but um yeah i did i liked i mean i like how quickly it starts um and just kind of getting yeah it drops you straight into the action right and then it's just kind of the other thing that i liked was um keith david i like keith david i like when he shows up and things i was happy to see him and yep. um yeah that's what i liked oh that's it Wow. There's a few other things, okay. but that's kind of what jumped out at me right away. Oh, all right. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I know that I know that you like this movie quite a bit. No, more. yeah, let, let me let me tell you some of the things I like. So, when when it comes to Vin Diesel, he's he's a very polarizing character or actor, rather. Uh, a lot of people don't think he's a good actor. I think he's I think he's a serviceable actor. I think he was great in the uh, the few scenes that we had him in, or like the one and a half scene that we had him in Saving Private Ryan. I think the fact that Steven Spielberg gave him that role and it was his first role in a movie really speaks volumes. Um, I th- I do think though that uh, this movie, particularly, but also the character of Riddick, is his best character. I- Iron Giant, of course, is he's he's phenomenal as the voice actor for it, but uh, he can actually flesh out his character as Riddick and been following it for about twenty years now. <laughs> I I actually like that. Uh, Rada Mil- Mitchell as as Carolyn Fry. Uh, oddly enough so um, the the main thing that I like about this movie is uh, instead of taking the 25 million dollar budget and going after gigantic a-list actors especially for the time they could have gone after a few guys like Johnny Depp or Robert Downey Jr. at the time or anybody like that they but David Tui decided nope let's just go for either local actors or fairly unknown actors I mean there's not a really a lot of powerhouse names, but that sort of helps in a way because the acting I think is a is a gigantic strength in this movie when it comes to how little known these actors are and how much, in my opinion, they knock it out of the park for how little that how little known they are. Um, I mean, for I I. Uh... I appreciate that you found some strength. There, in the there are some, there. there are some, there are some weaknesses. Yeah, um, we'll keep it. I actually really do like. But I, I think, I think that the weaknesses are not the actors. I think the weakness is some of the dialogue and writing. Right. I think David Tui. So David Tui, who is known for writing first, he wrote The Fugitive most famously. He also wrote movies like Waterworld and GI Jane. Um, this was his first kind of real budgeted movie. He had two other movies prior that were smaller science fiction things. And then this was a big original idea kind of movie. And I always will respect original ideas. Um, and so I, I don't have any issues with that. I, I like that this was made, um, if that makes sense, even though I don't like the final product. I think. Hmm. But... Like I said, it's it's a very much an alien style clone movie. You know, you got a small group of people um, trying to survive in this situation, aliens in the dark on this planet. Yeah, and they're just trying to. Yeah, it's it's very simple, which I can I dig a simple thing. This thing I feel disappointed because it really seems like it would be right up my alley based on my tastes generally, but it just kind of falls apart for me. And like you said, a lot of that comes to the writing itself. It's just not that strong, I don't think. My apologies, I hit the mic. Yeah. So I I think, yeah, the 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 writing does fall apart quite a bit. I do think, however, that there are some themes that are redeemable for this movie. Uh, I would point to before most of the action when it when it actually turns dark. Most of the characters are not not what they seem, which you can kind of get, but it's very difficult to see. The the villain is who he is, the hero is who he is, and the person who tried to kill all forty passengers of the of the air or of the spacecraft uh, is who she is. 
And as soon as it turns dark, I would say that the, the villain kind of becomes a hero, or at least an anti-hero in a way. The hero, who is, who is John's in this case, who you would think would be the hero, actually turns out to be quite the villain character, or quite the antagonist. The protagonist, who I would say is Caroline Fry, Rada Mitchell's character, uh, almost certainly. A lot of people think it's Vin Diesel. I think it's, I think it's Fry, who is, the, who is the protagonist in this one. Um, she turns out to have quite the character arc. And then Imam, Keith David's character, uh, has children and then and the dark has no children. So it's a, it's a bit, and I think that's enforced or reinforced by the fact that the movie for the first 59 minutes is a one hour and 49 minute movie. So for the first half, for the first 59 minutes, it is completely bright. And then for the last half, it is completely dark. I think it's yeah. It's, it finally hits it's the all, pitch black. Yeah, it's as ones. as soon as it hits pitch black, everything changes with the characters and everything changes with the plot. So I, I think the movie gets a lot better at the halfway point. I will say that the first half of it, after the plane crash, is kind of where it really dragged for me. Like it was like it was it, it was I definitely just... slow for no. It's it was it was slow and then fast for for strange reasons. I think that I there think... are a lot of. I think I, David, yeah, you go. I think that was mostly just to set up the the character of Riddick because we knew nothing about him going in. We knew his monologue at the first start. We knew Which, he was dangerous. We know he's a killer. Not a, we know he's an animal. I'm not a fan of narration, especially well, like, this, typically. You, you, and you this have was to put a pretty painful use of it. You you <laughs> have to put that in context though, because especially in the late '90s, early 2000s, narration was all the rage when it comes. It oh, right. It, that's I just, just, that's just you, I was like was. you don't need this <laughs> but you, at, absolutely not but I I get why they used it I agree they they shouldn't have they shouldn't have started with narration or if they were going yeah I was the see the, the the narration was the first thing that stuck out to me as like oh that's not great and it's it's very brief and it's not really a huge deal necessarily mm -hmm. but it is how the movie really opens and it just feels like it's trying so hard to be cool that I just <laughs> was not like i was just not with it <laughs> but um yeah i do think so my problem more so in the first half even is tui's choices to me um which i will always once again especially with the director who's not that experienced here he is making a lot of big choices um in terms of the look of the film and there are a lot of very specific shots that he uses um, that are clearly very intentional. I just don't think that most of them work very well or are very good. There's like specific, really like ish eye lens shot that's pretty horrible. <laughs> is that the is that and, the one where where Zeke gets pulled into the the hole as he's attacked by monsters? No, the there's like one because where they're they're, just like walking. that is definitely just, a very strange yeah. one. There, yeah, there's a bunch of strange shots. Um, there's a couple of them that I'm down with. Like, there's one transition that struck me as very Sam Raimi-like, where it was like the bright spot on the sun circle, like uh, transition. I was like, I kind of like that. Like, if they leaned more into the campy B movie aspect of this, I think I would have really dug it. But I think it takes itself a little bit too seriously, and I just never quite was able to get there with the movie. I will also say, did you watch the original cut or did you watch the unrated director's See, cut? See, that, that's exactly what I was going to bring up because I watched the unrated. I also watched the unrated, which I looked up the differences there. I don't know if you did. I did not. Um, it's only three minutes and it adds no 
extra violence or anything like that. So the unrated is really just one of those like gotcha titles, you know, because it's just literally the MPAA didn't read it. So, <laughs> um, but uh, well, that, well, that was adds... very that was very common in those days, now. Yeah, it was. Um, and in this case, though, um, I really think it was the studio just trying to keep it under two hours. But the um, main differences that they had there, it seems, were mostly conversational. And honestly, I think it's kind of important a little bit just for character purposes. Because there's the one character, um, what's her name? Shaza, I think. Shaza. Yeah, yeah, Shaza. When Shaza pulls Riddick aside and basically says, like, I'm sorry I judged you this way, you know, like, I, ju I judged you too quickly and like that. I was like, okay, this is the only character moment this character really got this whole movie. Yeah, exactly. To apologize to somebody, which at the bare minimum made me care a little bit when she just got offed. But, and then the other thing was, so the scene with Johns and Carolyn, when they are talking and then he like shows her the scar and really like she catches him like putting drugs in his eye. Yeah. Apparently, the original version of it... The original didn't have... He just put drugs in his eye, and so you just think he's a junkie. And it doesn't have the explanation for why he needs the drugs or why he oh, needs man. Riddick so much. It just cuts that That's out. That's like, a what? huge That's... character point. Right. So at that point, you just think he's some junkie. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, oh okay. man. <laughs> um, I mean, so I I mean think... for, the, for the most part, he is. I mean, the whole point going to, going to the crash scene, Owens, who is the uh, one of the pilots... He has a, a piece of rebar stuck in his chest, we assume through his heart. And she, she, Fry says that there's some anesthesiophene or something like that. Like, uh, combine anesthesia and morphine together into a word. And that's what she says. There's some in the cabinet. Uh, Ogilvy, the, the, he's like an antiquities dealer, looks over, the cabinet's gone. And he says, yeah, there, there's nothing left. And then jo it, it cuts to John's who's, who just goes like, eh, oh, well, we, we assume that either the cabinet actually was gone or that uh, John's actually got to the, to the morphine beforehand. Right. So, and, and that's brought up by, by Riddick later, but you, you would think if he was just a junkie that he wouldn't have given any morphine whatsoever. Cause it seems like he had an entire like case full of it, so he would have had plenty. So I, right. I don't know. I I yeah, think but... I think both can be true. He has a reason to use, but he's also a junkie. Right. I think yeah. I think that's true too. But it, like if yeah, without that scene, without that context, that character is not more than what meets the eye. Yeah. Know? That yeah. That character is just a mercenary trying to get his fix. Yeah. That's that's right. kind of all and... he is as much as this movie is pretty bare bones, like there's a point where it's like, you can be extremely bare bones, but also still have characters that are real characters. And for the most part, I don't think this movie succeeds at that. But if you are somebody who's inclined to watch this, then I would definitely say, watch the director's cut just for like those. It's like I said, it's only three minutes. Mostly it's just extended shots. It doesn't change a lot, but yeah, it definitely adds a little bit just in those two scenes. And it's also there. still a relatively short movie. Yeah, it's still short. It's not gonna. It's not like when you're watching Lord of the Rings and it adds an extra twenty five minutes onto a three hour movie. Yep, where it makes a, a nine hour trilogy a twelve and a half hour trilogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, once it so I found the first 
whole half of this movie to be pretty pretty stale for me um mostly like bad director choices in terms of like okay an example of this the the planet is supposed to be the scorching hot desert that's what we're led to understand because the shots indicate this to me and i understand that this is not a big budgeted movie but from a director's like point of view in this situation i feel like you should really be getting your cast to act like they're all like tired and make them look a bit sweatier you know and i know that, that i looked it up because yeah like, that was this is... that was both practical and i i didn't at all suspect that it was supposed to be hot i knew it was supposed to be sunny and overexposed which it was well with three suns you and a completely desert planet and well, we also don't know how the... far away those suns are though yeah but it has there's shots where it's like a wide shot and like the overexposed like look of the movie and there's a wide shot where it just has like the heat wave ripples you know in the sky i think he did a really good job making it look really hot but the way that the actors are like directed here they are not acting very much like it's very hot is is there was a weird contrast there and then there was also i i assume i assume you did look it up because the the whole practical effect of that is because it was in 50 degrees it was 50 degrees fahrenheit so they had to actually spray on water to make it seem like they were sweating yes i did look that up because i was like this is not striking me as very hot despite the way that it looks and also that is that is that that definitely is a directing thing i need to stop hitting this mic whatever that that definitely is a directing thing i i mean that's also these are some pretty c-list actors so that, right. that that's, could be which, well, the one person who i felt like was selling it the best was keith david of course because keith david's just the guy so um but even even still like not a lot you know and i think that's just because he knew what was going on whereas like, well it, literally... yeah it was it was keith david and and his sons because they uh and it was a good shot i, I don't know if you remember as soon as they find out how to get water from the the tap that's being yeah. drawn out i assume it's like one of the things that we see in star wars one of the moisture moisture farms or something right. like that but <laughs> as soon as he figures out how to get water they, they all celebrate and that kind of thing as if they haven't had water in a while but um yeah because that's also the thing they're really searching for water because mm-hmm. they're all supposed to be hot and sweaty in this place it's just like it's that just kind of attention to detail that doesn't really cost money it just is really just knowing how to use what you have in this case your actors and your props you know just like what you do have and it's just an example to me of where i think this movie doesn't quite work i think mm. that there's just a lack of attention to detail there with the characters with the setting you know that is also why i think all of these things disappear there's oh i the color palette i really like actually the overexposed look of it yeah. Except for when it's like kind of the later in the day look and it's like that blue, blue tint. It's just washed out blue. I'm like, this is this looks cold now. Is so, this supposed to be cold? So oddly enough, I didn't or I I didn't see the, the whole not reacting to to the heat thing. I I don't know. Can't really explain it, but I didn't notice it. Um but something that I did notice is uh Paris Ogilvy, the guy says to the entire group hey you better take a look at this and then it shows the sun the blue sun but mm. like why would he why would he ask them to look at like why would he come in from the distance and be like you better take a look at this and all they have to do is just turn to the left 
that doesn't make a lot yeah. of sense. Also, like the the whole the whole blue thing, it it doesn't really like fade into from red to a no. mixture of red and blue and then to blue. It just goes straight from red to blue. It really feels like a cheap way to kind of show the passage of time in a mm-hmm. completely daylight environment. Um, and by cheap, I mean like they just change the color tint, mm-hmm. and it's like. You, I can watch a movie that have extreme tints and stuff and like very stylized look to it. But if I'm buying the reality of the world, that doesn't bother me. Here, I wasn't buying the reality of the world and the color tint only made that worse for me because it made me more confused about what the characters are supposed to be feeling, the temperature, the feel of the planet just kept lurching back and forth in a way that yeah didn't quite make sense to me but once again once it goes pitch black finally like an hour into the movie um which we were just talking about with batman begins how it kind of gets to its batman's there batman begins an hour into the movie this movie's pitch black an hour into the movie but i feel like this one batman begins it's like oh cool we're here now that's great you know this one it's like oh thank god (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's how i felt i was like oh we're finally at the part of the movie that really matters and, and I, to I, that extent, what what I suspect for there is it's just like any other horror movie. It's just trying to set up the archetypes of the characters, and it's trying yeah. to make you feel for the characters when they eventually die, which most right. of them do. To compare it to the granddaddy that we've already referenced multiple times in Alien, something that Alien does so well though is setting up its characters. That movie has a good while before the real danger starts happening. And those characters are all dynamic and interesting. They have an interplay between them. This movie, and maybe it's just in the setup of the design, maybe it's just the characters themselves were never that interesting to begin with, but the just this eclectic group of characters that don't really have any connection to each other and don't care about each other and are just like all there can be interesting, but in this situation, I just don't think they're fleshed out enough. And the, those dynamics just aren't there. So when people start dying, I'm like, eh, okay, thank goodness, moving along now, you know, rather than thinking like, oh, I'm sad this person died, you know? And if if you're going to compare it to Alien, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> Which, once again, that's not a fair comparison, given that Alien is just a masterpiece and this is what it is. Um, which, once again, for what it is, it's fine. It's just... I don't know. I've seen alien likes that are similarly budgeted, but I think better done just in general, just because, and it really comes down to, I think, characters and then just the design and the reality of the world that you build in a limited setting. Yep. Um, Which this movie, once again, does better after it does get dark out, and then the monsters are really there. And when it, when it comes to at least like boogeyman or monster design i think it's up there for me it it's it's a little bit like the xenomorph in a way or it it looks like a a hammerhead shark and the xenomorph had a baby but i do like the interesting it's fleshed out in a very interesting way the fact that not only does it obviously feed on humans or humanoids but it, they also eat each other once they become full adults. Yeah, and I understand why this movie got greenlit, because you can easily sell it to the studio. Oh, it's really dark, so we don't really have to use a lot of money to show the monsters. Mm-hmm. 
um, which works very strongly in this movie's favor. It's a very smart writing decision from like a I got to pitch this to a studio perspective. Yep. Um, for twenty five million, well, yeah, for twenty five yeah. million dollars, and also the year two thousand, and a relatively unknown director, uh, the CGI is actually serviceable. It it ages yeah, quite well. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty good, and the fact that yeah, it is like yeah, like you said, twenty six million dollars in two thousand. You know, it's not bad. Yeah, and so oh, something I will note as well about the monsters. I did have to look this up. Obviously, they don't have it in the movie because. There's only so much you know about the monsters in the movie. They 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 do have echolocation, so they yes. are attracted to moving things. But they also their their vision is around blood. So yes, uh, that's that's important to note. And there's there's a, they do there's bring a, that up. I will say I will say this: there is an absolutely stupid nonsense uh, reveal around yes. that. <laughs> I'm not really going to defend that. That is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I'm like, this is the girl, right? The whole movie. And then yeah. it's like, oh, it's going to be attracted to her blood. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> like, yep. her blood? They, 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 made a, they, made a, they made they made a girl's period of plot device. <laughs> but, Which, um, honestly, honestly, that could have worked. But uh, it felt like backwards I thinking to me. I disagree like, I entirely. Like, There's not a lot. I, I don't even think a great director or writer can make that work. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I think anything can work, but I think that the way that they designed this was backwards thinking. That character didn't have a reason to have that reveal in this movie. Right. You know, you could have had a female character who happened to be on their period and that became an issue, you know, for the situation that they were in because of the blood um, vision, whatever. Um, but in this, it feels like they wanted to have that, but they wanted to have that be more of a moment so that they created this character around this reveal yeah. that didn't really have anything like it wasn't, there was nothing to it though. No, above, above all the characters and Zeke and Shaza don't really have a lot. I think Jack is by far the worst character. Yeah. Which she, kid characters she, in these she just has, she just are. doesn't have a lot going for her. She, she's a runaway and is trying to be infinitely like riddick but we don't know why and we uh okay all right but what what i was going to say about the monsters before uh going into that thing was they actually use and utilize the the gestation periods of the monsters so they start in the larval larvae 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 stage the larvae stage is the is the glowing basically like bioluminescent creatures that we see them put into the into the alcohol models. Oh, okay. That so that that's their that's that's their larval stage, or larva stage, whatever. Uh, their second stage is actually the bats that eat that uh, that kill Shaza, and uh, one of Imam's children. And the interesting thing about that is, of course, they they fly in swarms, but they're actually friendly to each other. And it's only once they get to the adult stage where they no longer fly. And they're basically xenomorphs with echolocation. That's when they start eating each other, so they get yeah. desperate. So I think that's, especially because I, we assume because those are the only three creatures aside from the humans that we see on the planet, that those are the only creatures on the planet. Right, and that was the most interesting thing to me about like the the creatures themselves was when they started eating on each other, just. I was like, that's an interesting world mm-hmm. development bit, you know, 
um and, and it's got some like it's got some real life basis yeah they're self-sustaining as like a creature on this planet um and kind of like the xenomorph it would be really devastating you know if there's a human colony there which is what this movie implies was there <laughs> yeah. yeah and they're a little bit in a way like like cicadas because the yeah. the whole point of the pitch blackness is for 22 years it is only sunlight because there are three suns and then for about a month uh or i think it's about a month because of the solar eclipse or the three solar eclipses from the from the two planets for a full month that is when they they, they can feed and then restart yeah. anew that's interesting to me um yeah we haven't talked a lot about riddick himself who's really the main character of this movie and the franchise as a whole mm -hmm. um he's kind of i like the way that he's framed like if you took out the narration at the beginning and you just kind of like don't really know anything about this guy at all it would be so much better because it's the so only the the thing that you would know about riddick would be what johns tells you and then right. what he eventually reveals yes so yeah, so character through action there. But um I think that Riddick is an interesting like he's the most interesting part of this movie to mm -hmm. me. Um just because it's like, okay, getting over the I don't know why there was a prisoner on this like transport, but whatever the situation is up there, it is what it is. Um, but him being there on this planet gives the most interesting dynamics with literally every character, you know. Mm -hmm. Um because you don't really know what to think of him. You don't really know what he's going to do in any moment. He gives a slight unpredictability to the movie. Um, yeah, so I, I, and I don't mind Vin Diesel in this. He's at his most grumbly in it, but it was still like pre, I'm not even going to move my lips grumbly, <laughs> where he, like in the later Fast and Furious yeah, movies. Yeah, this was it's... before any of the Fast and the Furious movies. So Right. So, so the, yeah, the only thing yeah. we knew about Vin Diesel at this time, he had some short films. He, uh, starred in a character that died fairly quickly in Saving Private Ryan, and then he played Iron Giant. That's and he had that's like all we know Boiler Room and some other small movies. Yeah. but yeah. Well, no one saw those movies. This is actually a movie. <laughs> this where is the first for some reason. Yeah, which I mean, people didn't really see it though, did they? <laughs> not not at first, because it only made fifty six million dollars. That's, that's true, really but it, it it it's not a hit. No, but it's. 50, or 53 million dollars 53 million in 2000 isn't bad by any on a 26 million dollar budget though that's like barely breaking even well true but they all for they a low budget have, movie they also couldn't have had that much marketing i imagine so yeah yeah i mean it did they Gotta clearly the studio even. was the studio was still happy enough with whatever like following clearly quickly emerged from it that they managed to give the sequel a hundred million dollar budget i mean um, i mean justice league 2017 it made more uh box office than its budget but because of marketing and everything like that um merchandising right. it didn't even come close to breaking even well that's yeah that's what i'm that's kind of i'm sure probably true to some extent about this one though it may have made a little bit of money but not a lot it, it made um, enough for two sequels or yeah i don't well i don't know how they swindled their way into a sequel that was that was mostly vin diesel the yeah reason like he's 100... got a cameo in tokyo drift is because of uh right chronicles of riddick yeah well and that's the thing with chronicles of riddick because that was a flop that was not just that didn't make money that movie lost money yep 
so I don't even know how they got the third one. I don't know what's going on with like what kind <laughs> of sway Vin Diesel has, but Vin Diesel, <laughs> Vin Diesel just showed his muscles, and they were like, "Okay, we're in." Yeah, like I I don't fully understand that, but you know, I I think it's because I think it's because does. Fast and the Furious has made so much money that I think That's they're just point. okay with it. At that point, he had Fast and Furious and Triple X. It know, is a it is a bit like small it is a bit like small tangent, but uh, Peter Berg wanted to make Lone Survivor. Um, but before he could make Lone Survivor, I think it was Paramount. Paramount made him do uh, Battleship. You know Battleship. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, they I, they forced him to do Battleship before he could do something that he knew would be better. The one for you, one for me that a lot of directors do. I mean, yeah. people like Christopher Nolan, like the Batman movies, were yep. the one for you, and then every in between he would do one for him. So yeah, I, that definitely happens. And with Zack Snyder, kind of... apparently he keeps getting one for me. <laughs> yeah, Zack Snyder just <laughs> has like this weird fan base that will allow him to keep making movies for way too much money <laughs> that don't do well. <laughs> yeah. Or now at this point he's just on Netflix and they never have to say how well they're doing. That's true. So Or he can just release an ultimate edition of his of his movie that's like that costs seventy five million long. dollars yep. extra produce and then put on HBO Max for free. Yeah. Yeah, that was idiot movie. That was that's that's a loss right there. <laughs> so Tui though, he never really did the me despite never doing a one for you. And then all he really did after this was Riddick movies. Like the yep. other two, they, he hasn't really directed a lot other than Riddick movies. Which one uh, of them is still in production. Uh, it's Riddick Fury. Yeah. But we have no idea when that's going to get off the ground. But honestly, as as a fan of this, as, of this franchise, I've waited 20 years for only two extra movies. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm fine them waiting. I don't want them to... I don't want them to go the way of anything like uh, Star Wars, where they just pump out way too much, way too quick for no reason at mm, all. Right, right. Like the j- oversaturation. I've always I, the scarcity. It's, it's not just it's not just saturation. It's it's rush jobs. That's that's always been my opinion. I'm I'm okay waiting, and I'm I'm like that with movies and video games. So yeah, speaking I'm a, of video I'm a patient games. Fan. Did, I, I've actually heard that the video games it's that they phenomenal. made for this are actually pretty good. The the Chronicles are, of Riddick game that came out, I want to say it was early 2000s. The Butcher Bay one. Butcher Bay, yep. It came out in 2003. It was a prequel to this before mm-hmm. Chronicles of Riddick came out. Yep, and they actually bring it up in, in Chronicles of Riddick. And yeah, the, the Chronicles of Riddick video game is one of the most underrated video game in my opinion. It is a That's... great game. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's good. So maybe I think where they weren't succeeding in film. I think it's because the the plot line of these movies works so much better as as video games. Um, yeah. Because they they are quite interesting. It's like a train wreck in slow motion. You can't look away from it, but you know it's going to be bad. But I think that's why it works for video games because video games often don't have to take themselves too seriously. It's why video game movies rarely make sense or even do well, well without yeah completely gutting the whole premise of a video game like especially detective in the early pikachu. 2000s detective yeah. pikachu doesn't make any sense for pokemon yeah the 2000s games particularly um were very much willing to be kind of over the top and like that mm-hmm. kind of like yeah, and, track to uh, it. <laughs> enter the enter the matrix, which uh, came out, I think after Matrix Reloaded, but before Matrix Revolutions. Could be wrong about that. 
but I that's also another great video game based on based on a movie franchise. And it, it came and, out around the same time. Yeah, speaking of the Matrix, thank goodness that this movie, much to my surprise, because the look of it screamed to me that it was going to be overloaded with slow motion and other stuff like yep. that. I'm like, thank goodness, because this was one year after The Matrix, and it totally could have had all that stuff like every other movie that came out right after The Matrix, especially action movies. And they did not do any of that, and I was like, oh, yes, relief, sweet relief. Well, of course, Zack Snyder was not making movies by then, so or he wasn't making uh, big action movies, so there wasn't a lot of slow motion to be had. Yeah, but I, yeah, he, he has those little 2000s-looking goggles that crack me up a bit in this. Yeah, it is a little bit weird. Um, yeah, but I will say, so <laughs> I've just looked at my notes. Right before it gets to the one halfway, the, the halfway point where it actually gets pitch black, I just wrote, this sucks. Oh, man. And then I wrote right after that, it's getting better now. <laughs> 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 um, I will say, so you have the Paris character who, when they, I okay, I really liked when they left the... Um, the place that they were hiding out in and they finally got up to leave that and they have like those glowy lights that they're all surrounded by because they realize the lights hit the creature that's a really cool sequence where they're walking out of there then you have the idiot paris character who is like oh this guy's gonna die and be annoying to everybody when he does it yeah "Yeah, that's exactly what happened but does not make a lot of sense he did deliver to me what i could think was the best line of the movie but right before he dies like i'm all about the before the kill after the kill lines you Mm -hmm. know and he said i was supposed to die in france yeah which i was like oh that's pretty good that's not bad for this character to go out with a line like that you know yeah it's Um, it's pretty much universally hated the fact that they were so close to getting to the actual ship and then he just breaks off and breaks the entire like thing that they were using to get there yeah he's a character not make a lot of sense. to be hated you know i actually annoying. didn't i actually uh, sure he was annoying but i actually didn't hate him up until that point i thought he was i thought he was okay i i yeah. thought he was just what <laughs> i think uh i cannot remember the character that's surrounding it but uh one of my favorite lines is um it it's well it's, it's paris that says this but when he finds the the third son he goes like well there goes our our chance for for darkness and he says there goes my chance for cocktail hour yeah the, he has a couple of lines in there that work like that character to me worked overall yeah i just was like his archetype to me was like i know what this character is going to be yeah. by the time he goes out and it's going to be a nuisance to everybody <laughs> um yeah, and then that kind of leads into where they're just holding the torches and then him and John's walk ahead and then there's the altercation mm-hmm. there and then once John's is taken out I was like, okay, well now who's there's not really much of an antagonistic presence as far as like the conflict between the characters at that point um, comparatively other than, I guess it, I guess it shifts the focus to it, 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 shifts the, it shifts the focus to what is Riddick going to do now that his main antagonist is gone, but he still has to get off the planet. Yeah. With these other people who are more innocent. Right. With these other people, not only, not only that, the reason why I like uh, Fry's and Riddick's uh, chemistry here is, is close to the end. 
Um, obviously, they make it to the ship where Imam and, and Jack are still in the cave. Yeah. And Vin Diesel, or Riddick, is for some reason desperately trying to persuade her to just get on the ship and and leave them behind, and she can't. And I think that it... Obviously, it's a bit on the nose, but I, I think it's a great character arc that when she didn't know these people at all, when they were just passengers, she wanted to get rid of them to save her own ass. But now that she yeah. knows them, now that she knows them, she's obligated and basically cannot force herself to get on the ship rather she has to go back for them yeah and it's like the whole it's hard to hate people up close kind of right thing and something that i notice is because riddick thinks he read her perfectly when when he found out that she was going to drop them he thinks that she can use her to just get him off the planet but when he figures out that she's obviously going to go back for them he says the he says the the line how how interesting yeah because of course he's got his animal side and that's all he knows but he's never come across somebody who he thought was self-interested who actually changed their mind right i think that's a little a, yeah, a small it, nugget of brilliance there she definitely she definitely has the most arc mm -hmm. um out of all the characters because of that and i do think that that works overall up to that point though because then it gets to the whole they go back they rescue the jack and imam yep and then they all get back to the ship and then riddick is kind of pinned down by a couple of the um the monsters and they're like, oh, we maybe we don't go back from. He's probably gone. And they hear him yell, and then she runs over to help him. Mm -hmm. And then um, he's like bleeding and everything. And then I was a little bit unclear on this. Did he kill her? And then a monster took her. Or did a monster just no, take her? No, no. So that and that's something. When I first saw this movie, I was like, son, why, why, the, why would you kill her? That does not make a lot of sense. Just like grab her and then start running, but. No, a uh, a monster gets her because that's the only time that you can see actual like tears go down his face. And yeah, it why just, in the yeah. world would he kill her and cry? Yeah, it was weird. Like it just it's felt very weird. it's very weirdly uh, it's very shot. abrupt. It's very yeah, weirdly it's, shot yeah. where it 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 kind of allows you to think that he killed her, but then like after you hear the stab, you she gets immediately pulled. I think I don't think there's a sound effect of your getting stabbed twice, yeah. or maybe there is, but. I don't know. Uh, she she gets stabbed and then pulled. So I think she got. Uh, it's hit just by a monster. so abrupt and like anticlimactic. You a know? bit, yeah. It felt it felt important that she goes through this arc and mm -hmm. that they're at the end and they're at the finish line. And the movie once again doesn't do enough to make me still care about this character. They yeah. give her a decent arc, but I don't care a lot about her. So the only thing that they could really do at this point is like have her complete her mission of actually saving people rather than ditching them like she wanted to at the beginning yeah um but then they just kind of like kill her off very quickly and then riddick just leaves and then they're flying away and they're like what do we say it's like tell them riddick died on that planet yeah <laughs> um and then the An movie another ends, like another reason why i don't think he killed her is because yeah. he he shuts off the engine to lure more more of them in and then kills them all I think that was out right. of revenge for for Fry, so I, I yeah, I yeah. It was just like the whole ending of this movie was just from her death and then to just the very ending, which is not a lot, but it's just 
you're, I feel like you're supposed to feel some sort of triumph, some sort of relief, and like when somebody escapes the situation. I was just like, oh, okay, um, it's over now. <laughs> And that was all I kind of felt that the movie ended. I I so. think there's there's not really much of a triumph, um, but there there's a slight relief. Yeah, I uh, didn't really get that. I was just like, I guess they're gone now. That's good that I they got off. I guess like I wouldn't have cared one way or another. they. Once again, it's just I didn't get invested in the characters. I was relieved to see that Keith David actually made it to the end of the movie because that barely ever happens. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Overall, I, I, I was left with a very I, I will say, underwhelmed feeling. I will say this. The original script called for not only uh, the Riddick, or the character of Riddick being a female, but they also had the the criminal character, whether that be Riddick or not. They had that person dying off and Fry uh, piloting the ship away. So it, yeah. And the entire reason why they swapped it is because of Vin Diesel. So you can blame Vin Diesel for a weird ending. That makes sense. I mean, he's always had this kind of weird control over the scripts that he's yeah. in for the franchises that he leads, which, I mean, good for him, I guess. And like but, I said, if it uh, leads to more movies like this, I can overlook it. Uh, yeah, for <laughs> me, I was like, I don't need another one. And I have seen Chronicles of Riddick, and I do not like that movie. That one, this is better than that one for sure. But yeah, it's uh, been a while. P Pitch Black is definitely the best of the three. But as as I've as I will say always, uh, guilty pleasure movie of mine. I recognize yeah. its flaws. Don't care though. Yeah, yeah, no, and like I've said, most people do like this. So, um, which honestly, I, I kind of understand why it's it's like dumb fun in a way that the Fast and Furious movies kind of are, but like a sci-fi version of it. Uh, I of course haven't seen yeah. any of the Fast and Furious movies, so that's just what I've heard. Oh but, well, got some homework to do. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, someday i'll get you to watch at least the first one because that one's just pure 2001 as much as 2001 pure, pure 2001 movie. yeah i'm not talking about a space odyssey um but yeah like yeah that's that's what we should that's what we should title this episode vin diesel <laughs> 2001 is space odyssey um, it'd be 2000 though okay um let's see if you want to do the if you want to do the recap for how how the points work, since I did it last time. All right. So now that we've talked about the movie, we're going to go over some of our points for the scoring. Um, the way we do our scoring on this show, as of right now, is we just break down some key topics about the movie and rank it from zero to two. Zero being we didn't like that. One being I think it's good, and two being I think it's great. Um, so we'll start breaking down those topics and we'll talk about that and kind of debate between ourselves of what we think each topic should be. All so right. We, we, we can start with writing. I think I know what you're going to do, but, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to plead my case real quick. Now, obviously this film has a lot of problems when it comes to writing, but I think some of the themes work for it. I think some of the dialogue is weird, but I do think there are some, some nuggets of brilliance. The ones that I've stated before, there's also a there's also a scene where Riddick looks around the corner, says, looks clear. John starts walking out, a monster comes out, and he says, I thought you said it I thought you said it was clear. And he said, I said it looks clear. And then he looks back out and Riddick says, Looks clear. Things like that. Things like that to me are are 
just brilliant dialogue writing, especially since we know the dynamic of the characters. There's when it comes to plot, it's saved a little bit by the second half, like you said. I do think some of the some of the first half works. A lot of the first half doesn't. I think it is enough for me to award it a one because we can't do 0.5. Um, I don't think it's quite a zero. I don't think it's. I definitely don't think it's a two. So I personally would go with a one. Yeah, I I personally go with zero here, but I'm willing to bend to give you the one because it is an original concept. I don't think all of the writing is atrocious. I just think the characters are very poorly developed and i never really cared about anything that i was watching um there are some creative ideas though and so i'm willing to bend to give you the one on this one we we do have the characters one as well yes but, uh up next we have world building i'll give world building a one i think that like i said i think the the world that they're on despite the fact that i think that has the, the direction with in the world like setting it up isn't great i do think it's an interesting planet idea that's pretty unique i've not seen something exactly like that before um and i like the monsters themselves and the way that you like i like we talked about um where there you get the different states of the monster at different ages and the way they attack each other it's kind of an interesting ecosystem that they build for the world so i think the world building is pretty good i'm not gonna say it's great i'm still like one out of two but I'm going to completely agree. Uh, I do think, yeah, I I definitely think that w the first time I saw this movie, I wanted to see more purely because of I thought that they could do a, a very good job at world building. Or I think this was definitely an interesting topic for a, a franchise. Uh, yeah. It had its ups and downs, but I, I do think it's this remotely successful franchise for what it is. So, yeah, I'll, I'd will agree i'll give it a one uh next up is yeah. characters i'll let you start characters i i would just give a big fat zero um i really don't care about anybody in this movie at all um riddick is the most interesting character not to say that i even care about him as a character like i wouldn't really be that interested in watching a sequel following that character personally based on this one alone um i do think that there are some occasional interplay things that are kind of interesting, but once again, the characters themselves just are not well-rounded. They're not fleshed out, even in a minimalistic kind of way. And the few scenes that do flesh out certain side characters, even just the tiniest amount, weren't even included in the original cut of the film because they're that minimalistic and they're that unimportant, ultimately. So I'm I'm going to agree with you here. I would personally go with a one because I think... Uh, most of the main characters, or at least the, the big three, really play off each other well. And I think that the two character arcs for the two biggest characters, I think, are enough for me to put it over the top. Most of the smaller characters, Zeke, Shaza, Jack, even Imam in, in most cases, are just kind of bland. They're just horror archetypes there to be sacrificed eventually. But I'm fine giving it a zero because of what we consider to be a one. Yeah. So next up, we've got directing. Um, I guess I'll start. Given the fact that this is his real first budget film, I like quite a bit of the directing when it comes to the second half. And I actually like a, a lot of what he does in the first in the first half for what he can do and what he pulls out of the actors, because I'm going to be honest, 
when it comes to these actors, I don't know anything about any of the actors aside from Vin Diesel and Keith David. So I think pulling pulling that out of out of these actors, I think is enough to give him a one. Yeah, well, I don't like the direction in the movie, and I might be inclined to give it a zero because the choices don't really work for me for the most part. I will say that I do have a soft spot for people making movies at a budget, and um, also I always will appreciate when somebody's making distinct choices, even if I don't agree that those choices are good because somebody's going to like it. It just wasn't me. Um, so for that, I'm willing to bend to give it a one. Okay. Uh, next up is action. Um, yeah, as far as the action goes in this, it's nothing spectacular. It's mostly hidden in shadows, which is part of the point of it. Um, it but it deals with monsters, and I do think that like, some of the kills are kind of fun, even though they don't look great most of the time, but like the girl getting cut in half <laughs> um, and still screaming and spinning, there's some fun Yeah, that doesn't make moments. it, yeah. The, I like that, though, because it's, it's a fun, just kind of dumb, campy moment that yeah. I wish this movie had more of. It, it's also I... like, it's, oh, sorry, but it's it's one of no, the yeah. first, like, notions, oh, it's going to be like this movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, Zeke, Zeke dies in that kind of way, and uh, so do some of Imam's ch- children, but, like, getting cut in half and then still screaming while spinning. That is very Sam Raimi, so, yeah. It, yeah, it's very like goofy. It. it doesn't look great. Um, those are the parts that definitely look the worst, like when John's head gets chomped by the monster. It doesn't look great, but it is kind of fun because they leaned into the camp quality. Um, so as much as um, out of everything, I feel the most comfortable giving this a one. Still not a two for me. I'm I'm definitely going to agree. Uh, what I think for a two for action would be a little bit more. What I yes. do like as well, and something I'll touch on that we didn't really before, the the very start of this movie, the the first action sequence is the the meteor shower that leads to the spacecraft falling into the atmosphere. That has quite a bit of shaky cam, but I can understand what's happening completely, and that yeah, is incredible. That is yes. an, that is an incredible feat to have happen. So I think quite a bit of and maybe this is just because we did batman begins and a lot of the action doesn't make a lot of sense actually having action where it makes sense is is a huge plus for me so i'm I'm also going to give it a one uh next up next up we do have acting and i'll start on this i do believe this is a firm one because of the fact that they are small uh little known character or little known actors who actually give it their give it their all aside from one but i do think quite a bit of the acting is is quite good for for what the writing gives and for what can be gained out of the actors um what i wrote down was that the actors in this movie are giving performances that are overly forgettable um i agree with that actually i just which a lot of that comes down to the actual characters themselves, but I mm-hmm. really don't think that the actors, for the most part, are elevating that either. I think it's all pretty flat um, performances. So, me personally, I would say that the acting in this movie is not particularly good, which would mean a zero for me. But, like to what you're saying, I am um, willing to bend and give it a one. 
I, th I think just because if they had gotten A-list actors with their budget and they still would have gotten these performances, it's an easy zero. But I do think if they got A-list actors, they definitely would have gotten better acting from this. And so it you're grading on a curve. Into one. A little bit, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to put it into context. for Yeah, that's the time. fine. Once again, I, I'm willing, your points, I, I feel your points that uh, you swayed me. All right, next up is uh, visuals. You can start if you like. Um, being the budget that it is and being a science fiction movie in the early 2000s, it was never going to look great. I really think that a lot of the shot choices are quite poor, but that's more in the directing, the actual look of the film. The shot choices um, might actually be directing and editing, uh, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so At least because we the, don't the, have the cinematography. Film, I, okay, so I, I liked the overexposure you know in the early parts i didn't like the switch between the blue and the yellow that just wasn't very good um and just other visual things especially early on but then there's the stuff at night that i think is presented pretty well so i'll i'm willing to give it a one just because they are working on the budget that they are it is pretty ambitious and it it looks it's all it all reads well enough i think i think just as well i think that the the echolocation factor uh, the, the shots that are actually echolocation I quite like because the only thing you see from the monster's perspective is faces and general, well that'd be like facial expressions and people moving so and that's interesting I have no idea how they got that kind of shot but it's impressive to me or at least to make it look presentable in a way that isn't to make static look presentable I yeah, it looked it, like static to me. It wasn't like that exciting, but it's it, not that it exciting. Was, but it, it is kind of cool. It read the way it was supposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're only supposed to gather that that is what the monsters see, and it, yeah. it certainly does it better than some of the other horror movies that do monster vision a little bit weird. Sometimes they'll just do it like, like they're close to the ground and it's like tunnel vision. But I, I appreciate that they went above and beyond. So, uh, I'll, I'll give it a one. Yeah. Uh, next one up is um, editing. Editing, I feel pretty strongly on giving a zero. Um, there's the action stuff is not very demanding within the editing. It's more about the suspense of the scene rather than the actual action of the scene. So while that's all handled well enough, there are scenes in this movie that end abruptly and strangely. There are the shot choices and once again the color choices that that really actually comes down into the editing more so than any other department here mm -hmm. um how that's presented the color grade all of that stuff's done in editing um that is where a lot of my issues for the movie actually exist so that's one that i feel pretty strongly about being a zero i'll give that to you i think if we could do 0.5s i would still give it a 0.5 because there are some shots that i like like the uh the small water droplet letting us know that they actually did find water going from that to uh the other shot is yeah is a couple pretty, of tra good. good transitions and stuff does not a good edit make for me but i understand what you're saying like mm -hmm. i don't think this is the worst thing in the world but i don't think it's good and it was the part that like Th this is also definitely... this is also and of course i'm not a i'm not a movie connoisseur at by any stretch of the imagination i know some things but uh, what is it, the Dutch angle that they use when, when Fry is coming up to essentially interrogate Riddick about killing uh, Zeke. They, they use two Dutch angles. They use one 
um, kind of cantered over to the right to show Fry, and then cantered over to the left to show Riddick. And I, I actually did like, and it wasn't over the top like they do in like Thor, uh, two thousand nine, which I think. Oh, is... you just reminded me though. Saying that, you just reminded me. There's a couple of times where the shot is like tilted and stretched. Yeah, yeah. Like so, so like, like when Zeke effect. dies. Yeah. No, that I will absolutely agree. That oh. is a terrible way of showing that. <laughs> There's like so much stuff like that. That's just like this is cheaply done and done poorly like yeah. this is not good like you just took the image oddly enough it. oddly enough the cinematographer is the same one from mad max beyond thunderdome oh really yeah which i should have never seen beyond thunderdome, thunderdome. you haven't seen beyond thunderdome i've seen all the other ones i love all the other ones i just happen to not have seen thunderdome <laughs> yeah i'm i'm pretty middle of the pack when it comes to that movie yeah but, most um, people are yeah. so that's why I never um, felt so inclined to go to it. But I, I am definitely okay giving uh, editing a zero there. Uh, yeah. Next one is sound. sound. I will start. I, I'll, I'll start. Okay, with this you one. go. The sound effects and sound mixing to me are fine. Uh, enough, enough to give it, to give it a one. What I really, really don't like is the score. Especially the action score scenes are absolutely awful. It's like during when they're running generic. when they're running to the ship. Yeah, it doesn't it's make all very any generic. sense it's, at all. Yeah, it's not very good. It's pretty generic. But yeah, the sound design otherwise, like I think the monster creature design is the monster bit. creature design is fantastic because it's kind of high pitched and yeah, uh, and it sounds like something that would sound if that creature had if that creature had echolocation that's how you would expect an echolocation monster to sound so i i do like that it sounds a little yeah. bit like a uh, like a dinosaur from Jurassic Park too yeah yeah it had some it there was unique alien sound design mm -hmm. and they through sound they built the world pretty well like yeah. i never was like that's weird i was i wasn't taken out of it sound i will say it's not great either it's just fine mm -hmm. there was i put on subtitles because i couldn't hear vin diesel a lot of the time <laughs> yeah um i get that which i'm just yeah it's just like there there's some stuff like that in there and i once again i wouldn't say it's great um but yeah i'm willing to give it a one all right uh last category we have is impact this I would say is our most unknown when it comes to categories. It's it's not exactly this one what we say. Is for this one is interesting to me. I will say that based purely on the fact that it has a cult following enough to get it spawned two sequels from it, um, and the fact that by the third one they were making money. That one's definitely like it wasn't a lot of money, but it it apologies. It was there's a storm. Oh yeah, um, they're, they're not that. big money winners or anything. But they, once again, it had a following that allowed this movie to get two follow-ups, two video game spinoffs that were apparently pretty good and successful. Um, and people still ask about this movie series coming back every once in a while. And apparently there's a fourth one in development. I don't know what stage it is within that development, but apparently it's like on the table. So I will say it's not like a major franchise. It's not something that's carrying a lot of weight it doesn't have any accolades to its name really it's just kind of something that the people who like it really like it to the it point just where... won't die yeah it won't die so i have to give it a one for that and i agree completely 
it, it doesn't have anything uh, surrounding like cinema impact at all, aside from the fact that it just won't die. But yeah, that's that's something that I can yeah. agree with a lot of people that just that's why I longevity like mm-hmm. is a way of impact still, you know, it's just around yeah. long enough that people know what it is. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely more influenced by things than it is influential, mm-hmm. I think. But it, yeah, it's just been around. So I have to give it credit for that. The fact that, I mean, uh, say what you want about the Alien franchise nowadays, but it, it somehow managed to stay just a little bit longer. They've made Alien movies more recently than Riddick movies. No, I know, but look at the look at the quality of them. I, I liked Covenant. Oh, man. And I, I like Prometheus. I'm going to have to disagree so hard. <laughs> the maybe, way the way for... the way that you feel about this movie i feel exactly about prometheus oh really yeah no i like prometheus quite a bit actually <laughs> so yeah maybe we talk about this and have the exact same discussion but in reverse <laughs> <laughs> we, we we probably would and trust me i didn't take a lot of notes for for this one because i didn't want to defend the points so strongly because quite a bit of it is subjective there's a couple of things i can defend but only if i took the time and I don't really want to take the time. So yeah, I but understand. With, with Prometheus, I could, if I if I took the time to write it down, I could destroy that movie. Yeah, like I know that you like Chronicles of Riddick more than this one. So you liking that one as much as you do, you'd probably have more. Well, liking to it, liking it, it, and understanding uh, how how just because I just because I like it, I don't think I would be able to defend it as well as this movie. Um, and also liking it doesn't mean that I think it's a better movie. I think this is well, a much better movie. But you might have more reason to kind yeah, of. Yeah, I'm more passionate behind, about it, definitely. Yeah, you're more passionate behind your defense rather than. I feel like you like this movie, but you you told me that you loved Chronicles of Riddick, which mm-hmm. is not one that I share that opinion of. So, but I think having a strong opinion about it one way or another, you're gonna have a lot more to say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, so fi- looking final, at the final score, we got eight yep. out of twenty. Four eight out, out of 10. twenty. Well, four out of ten. That's about what I would rate it. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I just I don't that that to me is not very good. It's not terrible. It's a little bit below average to me is what I would say. Um, if I was a little bit friendlier to it, you know, if I liked it, maybe I would feel like, oh, this is a six or seven out of ten. Honestly, you know? get well. See. That's when our point system comes into play because even even with all this, I think the only things I would give better would be characters of one and not really much not really much else. Maybe maybe world building a two if I if I acknowledge the fact that um the other two movies don't exist, which would have been easy to do from two thousand to two thousand four. <laughs> the world building, if you take into account just this movie, just the fact that they introduce the fact that there is a shipping company that ships essentially coach and there are mercs traveling with prisoners. I think they could have gone more in depth. I suspect the reason why Johns is traveling in a very, very cheap transport with Riddick is probably because of something that happens in the later movies where any crew that goes after Riddick will find themselves almost all dead. So I suspect John's actually had a crew, but all of them died. 
leading to him capturing Riddick alone and then having right. to having to they of course don't go over that at all in uh in either movie or anything like that. Oh, they kind of do in the in 2013 Riddick because spoiler alert, not really a spoiler, but uh John's father hunts down Riddick and is trying oh, okay. to figure out what happened to his son. The so, only thing I know about the 2013 one is that Katie Sackhoff is in it and it's kind of a return to basics. <laughs> I have no idea. You're gonna to have to tell me who she played because uh, she's in, she's Bo-Katan in the Mandalorian. Okay, uh, it, uh, that doesn't help me because <laughs> red red hair red hair Mandalorian character doesn't matter. I haven't seen man doesn't doesn't <laughs> matter doesn't wait. Let me we're on IMDb. Let me just look it up. Uh, oh, we're Katie Sackhoff like... doll. Yeah, she's got blonde hair in this movie. Yes, she usually has blonde hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen the Mandalorian. I've seen like. And it was a long time ago. I saw the first season, but nothing else. Oh, okay. Yeah, when it comes to... You got to understand this about me. When it comes to new movies, well, mostly new movies and new TV shows, I don't watch any. So. Well, you and I are very different. Um, That's why I I'm think this could be stuff. successful. I'm watching old stuff. <laughs> because I'm very apathetic. <laughs> I don't care. Well, okay, so... So... The movie that we'll do next week is Brian De Palma's The Untouchables. Okay. Starring Kevin Costner. Kevin of Costner? Wow. Kevin of Costner, 1987. So I've been watching a lot of De Palma lately. That's um, one of my favorites of his. It's just, but it's a lot different than a lot of his other stuff. More of a period piece kind of drama about. I forgot. I name, I have not but... seen this. I have not seen this movie, but I know it's about Al Capone. I forgot the specifics uh. of everything, but I've only seen it the once. But it was a couple years ago, and I I was like, this is great. I love this. There's a couple of like all timer scenes in there for sure. Mm-hmm. I I this one is one it, I feel be, pretty. This would be good actually like. because I have I know actually very little about this movie. I've definitely yeah. not seen any anything about it. So yeah, Untouchables is the movie that we're going to be doing the next episode and yeah very excited about that yeah